Worship you, Jesus. Would you give him some more praise for a minute? Just for a few more moments. How good has he been to you this week so far? How good has he been to you so far? There's a, such a peaceful presence in this place. Because all my life you have been faithful. What has he brought you through? What has he done for you? All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I'm going to see. is for someone right now you don't need the rest of the service you don't need a word this moment is for someone specific right now for God to let him let you feel again how good he is it's not emotionalism it's nothing it's the presence of God time can we give him a praise Jesus we love you we thank you for being here at this moment you've never failed us you've never failed us we praise you for it we give you honor and glory we love you in your name in your name you can be seated turn to your seats whatever you need travels fast and you probably figured out that pastor isn't here before you got here you probably knew 
If I had to guess, somebody leaked it. But he wanted to let you know that him and his family are at Because of the Times. And they're, we pray that they get strength, that they're encouraged, that they get a word for them. They're always giving. And we pray that they get a word in return. And Brother Terry, they're there. So I hope that they do well and we're going to miss them. But they'll be back Sunday. So we'll make it hopefully until then. Matthew 24. Jesus compared us or believers to eagles. In Matthew 24, 28, he said, whenever, whenever the carcass is there, the eagles will be gathered together. And he was referring to his own body, his own carcass. And he said, when I present a meal, speaking of communion, which we already came out of, and he said, the eagles will gather. Then in Isaiah 40 and 31, it says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. Psalm 103 and 5, he satisfies our mouths with good things so that your youth is renewed again like an eagle. Psalm 34 and 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then something you find in Deuteronomy 14, it, it goes into the dietary laws that the Hebrews had under the old covenant. And it forbid them to eat certain food. There were birds that they could not eat, and there were birds that they, they could eat. But you'll notice something interesting in Deuteronomy 14 and 12. It says, but these you shall not eat, the eagle, the vulture, the buzzard. He forbid his people to eat the eagle. But he also compared, it's interesting, he compared us to eagles. Paul put it this way in Galatians 5 and 15. You bite, you devour one another, but beware lest you consume. You be consumed by one another. In other words, you're called, you're chosen, which all of you are from the youngest to the oldest. You're of the same family, but you bite and you devour one another. And God said, stop. Don't do it. In Matthew 12, because this is in, in verse 25... Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. In other words, every kingdom will be brought down if they do not deal with the issue. Then he goes even lower from every kingdom to every city or every house. Then the family is divided against itself and it will not stand. So he goes from kingdom to city, then to house. Then in verse 26, he goes even lower, and he says, If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If he or you, it's a principle, is divided against himself. If you're divided against yourself. So you go from divided kingdom to divided city, to divided house, then to divided individual. 
But if you flip it backwards, the only way to get to a divided kingdom is to start with a divided person. A person who becomes divided from God, more distant from God. And then that division of not being one with him, it spreads into the home. Suddenly the family is divided. Then from the house, it goes into the community, into the city. Then from the city, it goes into the nation or the kingdom. But it all comes back to the personal relationship that individual has or does not have with God. And I know we, we, we say strong families build strong churches. And so that's why being together is so important. Then he said this, but if we would all just fall in love, if you could all just fall in love with me, if we could just fall in love with him, then it would heal the house. It would heal the city. It would heal the nation. Not that we would agree on everything, but at least, at least we would love one another. John 13 and 35, by this will, everyone will know this. By this, that you are my disciples. Not that you go to church. Not that you get together and talk about the Bible a lot. But that you really love and have compassion for people. We always talk about the power of Pentecost being poured out in Acts 2. But Acts 2 verses 1 and 2. And there came a sound from heaven and it filled the whole house. The whole house. But before the Holy Spirit could do that, first in verse 1, they had to be in one mind, in one accord. It sounds a little bit like they had unity. It sounds like they were together. And I want nothing more than this community and this church and every divided family to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But we need to give God a landing pad. And that landing pad is unity. He can't land where there's not unity. In John 17, 20 and 21, Jesus prayed his last prayer in the garden. And it said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may, and that's what I want to talk about, they may be one. Our prayer every day should be, God, make us one. So I do not pray for the world to get their act together. But instead, he said, I am praying that my disciples, my church, would be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that maybe all can be one. Then the world will believe that you sent me if they can become one. So when they see us in church, 
as believers who are undivided in church, undivided in our worship. It's not that we always get along and always agree, but that we gather under one name, and that name is Jesus, and we gather in compassion and conviction for a lost world. Let there be no divisions among you. That's what he said in his last prayer in the garden. Make them one. It doesn't matter what that person that you don't get along with says or what they do. All I have to learn how to do is my best to just zip it and then eventually speak the truth out of love and out of compassion. Do our best to follow after peace with all men. Do our very best. It's so important to chase after peace. And there's an example why. The elephants in Africa, they are the largest land mammal in the world. They live up to 70 years of age. They grow up to 14 to 15 feet high. They are called the heavyweight champions of the African savanna. But the bull elephant weighs up to seven tons. It can smell water from 12 miles away. The trunk contains 40,000 muscles. So powerful it can put 750 pounds of pressure down. Enough so they can grab a tree that is fully rooted, pull it up out of the ground, but at the same time with that same powerful trunk, pick a peanut off the ground and eat it. The tusk can grow up to 10 feet long. A full-grown bull Elephant, in its prime, has no natural enemies in the animal kingdom. Except, except another full-grown bull elephant. And when there is another grown elephant in its territory, and it goes into musk, that male bull suddenly becomes so temperamental and so touchy that he becomes extremely aggressive. And the only threat to it is if those two giants start to fight one another. During musk, a full-grown male elephant can become very aggressive and it reacts with anger at the slightest trigger. The reason for this competition is for dominion, to run the entire herd. It wants dominion over the whole say-so. And it gets a hair-trigger rage that turns into a huge conflict between these two giants fighting each other, then the conflict can become so intense that sometimes the defeated elephant will die from its injuries, even though they're of the same family. Nobody from the outside can destroy them. When giants fight giants, when believer fights believer, 
When teacher fights teacher, when pastor fights pastor, church member against church member, when moms and dads fight each other. See, there is no demon powerful enough to destroy us because greater is he that is in you than he that is in in the world. You're a giant. You're an eagle. You're a warrior, but you've got tusks that can take on any demon. So the only hope, we really give the enemy too much credit. The only hope the enemy has is if he can get two of you out of agreement. Especially in a small community. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, for if two or more touch and agree and keep on praying, God said, I will hear you. If you stand as one instead of fighting each other, the only way, the only way an enemy can destroy the church and destroy your revival is if he can get us against each other. Just as the giants and the eagles and the bull elephants have no natural enemy, there is no enemy that can take down you or your family. It can't. It may see an avenue that we opened up, but the enemy cannot take you down. You have the power to paralyze hell. You have the power every day to terrorize Satan. What's more, what's more fun than that? You've got it. You have the power. God says hell fears you. It fears you. God says he will use two people who stand together. No enemy has the authority to prevail against you or your family when you stand on the promises of God. The, pro- the problem is we don't stand on the promises. We stand next to them. You got to get back on top of them and stand on them, kneel on them, lay on them, but don't let them go. Don't let them leave. Hold on to them. The enemy wants you to use your stuff, your junk, your mess against each other. One of the the saddest things about all of it is when that champion walks away, he is totally clueless, totally oblivious to the fact that the entire area where he has been fighting has been destroyed. One tribe leader in Africa says, when the elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. And the Bible also refers to you and I as grass. Isaiah said, surely the people are grass. Peter said, all flesh is grass, and the grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of God endures. We're like the grass, and when two giants fight... The little ones, the little ones get stomped on and destroyed. When self-righteous spirits rise up and we start thinking we're all that because of our look and our knowledge and we start slinging our opinions around, it's the little ones that suffer. They're listening to you. They're paying attention to you. 
What are you doing? What am I doing? And when you realize that you're a giant, that you're an eagle, mom, dad, you're a giant in your family's eyes. I don't care how backslid they are. I bet they still call you for stuff. Why? Because you're a giant in their eyes. Grandparents, you're a giant in that child's eyes. And when you realize that, all the enemy wants is for the believers and the parents to start fighting one another and throwing little jabs here and little jabs there. And you know who suffers the most when we all walk away from it. Not just the two that walk away with wounds, but it's the children. It's the children's children that walk away destroyed. When you bring that new convert into your home for lunch, great, awesome. But when you start making sly comments about someone else in the kingdom while that new convert is sitting across from you, what does that say to God about how bad you want revival? Or do you just want the optics of revival? Little ones are watching. And they feel those vibrations when those titans are clashing against each other. The whole church can feel that shaking of the ground. If you could see yourself the way hell sees you, young couples, hell sees a Holy Ghost-filled parent as a giant, single or married. And I can't promise that problems will not come. But if you can fight beside each other instead of against each other, the gates of hell will not prevail against Indian Village. You're a team. You're a powerhouse. If you're single, find another single parent to link up to and build on that. We have to have unity in every form and fashion. And if we don't want unity, if the majority wants unity, I may get in trouble, but God will remove whatever does not want unity. Proverbs 15 and 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 12 and 18, there is he that speaks words like a piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 10 and 19, in the multitude of words, there's arguments, there's fights, and I'm sorry, girls, but there's breakups. There's going to be breakups. But he who closes his lips is wise. Not smart, wise. There's a big difference. I'm learning. Proverbs 15 and 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but a vicious word breaks the spirit. 
Words that we speak, the texts that we send, the emails, the opinionated posts we, we put on social media that we think everyone cares about, but they really don't. The saints and the sinners are affected when the body of Christ is against each other. Your pastor is affected. Really, his lifespan shortened. When the body of Christ is against each other, he feels those vibrations of those giants. When we allow all of that junk to come in here, not that we don't have disagreements, not that we are all the same in area, every area of life, absolutely not. The Bible clearly says that there is diversity in the kingdom. There's different gifts and all that, but it's not right for giant to fight giant. A house divided will come to desolation. A church divided will come to desolation. When giants fight, the saints suffer. The children suffer. The new converts suffer. The young couples suffer. The, the, the youth group suffers. While we're talking about elephants, you ever heard about the elephant in the room? It means that now everybody can relate to this. It means there's a controversy or an issue, especially at Thanksgiving or Christmas. There's a controversy or an issue in the room, and everyone knows it's there. But we don't want to talk about it. Kind of like getting together at family events, and you walk in, and there are going to be elephants in the room, and maybe even two or three of them. And you're going to have to squeeze between some of them and try to sit down and try to make some elbow room. And, you know, it's just kind of awkward, and everyone's afraid to use the, you know, I don't want to talk about this. We know it's happening, you know, whatever. It's an elephant in the room, and everyone ignores the obvious problem. Even in here, we got elephants in the room right now. You can just feel them. But we don't want to make the issue worse. But the truth is, it's an elephant in the room. And it's the little ones that get devastated when the big ones attack each other. Jesus said, Father, make my church, make my families. Make the ones that call themselves believers. Let them have a desire to be one. Let them have a desire. Paul in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, we are of one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. One, one. One, how can we say that we have a revelation of one God but not be one with the body of Christ? How can we say that? It doesn't matter how much you shout. It doesn't matter how much you do. All of that stuff, and that's great. If we, but if we cannot become one, one in your family, one in your relationships, one in your youth group, one in your hyphen group, one in your young adults group, in your elders group. One. If you cannot become one, what are you doing? 
There's an elephant in the room, and we keep coming in, and we try to squeeze around it. It's been in churches for generations trying to cause disunity in the future generations. The enemy's smart. He works for the future. If he can disrupt you now, he knows he can disrupt your kids, and they'll be at odds between each other. Trying to turn people against each other. And I get so tired. I probably said this last time I spoke, but I get so tired of labels. I get so tired of the left wing and, and the right wing and the spiritual side of the church and the not so spiritual side. And, and I mean, what, are the, what, is that, what does that even mean? I'm just people talking about people, the way they worship, and all this stuff. And I know some people probably even get a little twisted up when those kids take off running. But they, they may not even know why they're doing it, but you know what? At least they're doing it. And one day, the real reason, the real truth is going to stick. But, but God have mercy on me. If I ever grow so cold in my walk with God that I get angry every time someone does something in worship that I don't think is very sophisticated. God have mercy on me. Believers that like to just get on social media and fuss and argue and all, I mean, just, just got to be careful. Why? Because the entire time, sinners are watching. Backsliders are watching. And they're asking themselves, do I really want to go back into that type of movement? Is it safe for me? I've been hurt so much out here. Is it safe for me to get back in there? Can I trust these people who say they're full of the Holy Ghost? Can I trust? They're watching. The kids are watching. And hell cheers when believers get in the arena and go at each other. It's not worth it. And I'm not talking about disagreeing on doctrine, but I know we, I'll say it again, we're not going to agree on everything under the sun, but that should have nothing to do with the fact that you and I are called to love everybody, no matter who they are, no matter how much we may disagree with them. I did not say tolerate. I said love. We don't tolerate the sin in someone's life, but we should love the person. Jesus was moved with compassion, not tolerance. Let's remove all the labels. Let's remove all the color. Let's get all, get all of that out of the way. A bird needs the left wing and the right wing to fly straight. That was not a political statement. It's just facts. A river needs a left bank. And a right bank, so it does not become a swamp. There is a powerful verse in Genesis 13 and 8 when Abraham and Lot, two massive ele elephants in the Old Testament, they're crashing into each other, hit after hit, and they were in a big argument over real estate. And their families were fighting, and Lot was being a difficult. And, and Abraham steps up, and he says this, let there be no strife. I can learn a lot from it. Let there be no strife between you and me. 
then not just between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. For we are brethren. So it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you did or what you didn't do. Young people, it does not matter who your mom or your dad dislikes in the church. This whole thing is not about them and it's not about you. This whole thing is about your relationship with Jesus. And if you have one Lord, and his name is Jesus, then I am not your judge. I am not your enemy. No one else in here in this church is the judge or the jury, but instead we are one because we are brethren. We're brethren. Let there be no strife between us over temporal things. If we're going to spend, you think about it, you're going to have to spend eternity together. Eternity. You can't die your way out of that one. Let there be no strife. We have, got to, we have got to get a prayer inside of us that says, Lord, make me one. Make us one. Make us one. Who are you to judge? Another man's servant, Jesus said. Let's be one because the world is watching. It, it, this whole thing is wrapping up. It's speeding up faster and faster. And the world is watching. And hell is watching. Romans 12 and 10. Love each other. With genuine, I did the NLT on purpose. I'm sorry, Pastor. Love each other with genuine affection. And I did it for this right here. Take delight. Be happy about honoring each other. When your brethren's son and daughter come in who are backslid and God refills them with the Holy Ghost and you don't see yours for another two or three years, honor them. Worship for them. Celebrate with them. Thank God for them. Take delight in honoring each other. One version says, be devoted to one another. Be devoted. And I'm wrapping up. This is, this is where I'm getting to. You always stand. We always stand for the word of God. We stand for pro-life. We stand for marriage between man and woman. We stand for justice. We stand against sin. We stand against anything that goes against the Word of God. Now here's what a lot of people don't understand. You may have an issue with a friend or a family member and you don't agree with the way they're living. Not that they're not living the life you want them to live, but it's, it's obvious that they're not living for God. When that's happening in your life, in my life, with someone, you stand against the sin. You stand against the sin. I'm against what you're doing because it's against God's word. But this is where you get them. 
I'm for you. I'm for you. That has to be learned. It's perfectly fine to be against sin and be for the person. Doesn't mean you enable them to keep doing wrong. You, you've got to let that person know I'm against the way you're living, but I love you. And I'm praying for you. And nothing can change that. And when that person knows that and they feel that, they can never get away from it. And Gail, Kevin can never get away from it. He can never get away from it. He feels those prayers. He feels those prayers. And he's going to be home one day. He's going to be home one day. And we stand. The greatest power to unify your church and your family is to say, I'm for you. And I'm for us. I'm for you and I'm for us. The disciples were worried about who was going to be the greatest. And they were constantly crashing into each other. I want to be number one. And and then the mother of two of the disciples said, Jesus, give, give seat one and two to my two boys. And the others were mad and they were arguing. In other words, it was a believer against believer, church against church. And while they're fighting amongst themselves, in walks the King of Kings. And he gets down on his knees. And he takes a bowl of water. And he takes a towel. And one of those disciples that day was going to betray him. Judas was there that day. One of them was his absolute enemy, and he knows it. He knew one of those men was going to walk out of there and sell him out and stick him on a cross. And Jesus, one by one, while they were arguing with each other, he began praying, make them one. And he began to wash the feet of Judas knowing the evil that he was going to conspire against him so when we fight each other and maybe we're not in that but maybe in the future we will we will be i don't know what's going to happen things come and go in life but when we're against each other the kingdom of god is hurt And the kingdom of God is set back in your church, in your home, and in your own life. But when we fight beside each other, the gates of hell cannot prevail against anything. A youth group that stands and worships next to a hyphen group, you are making hell shake. Fight next to each other not against each other. Would you lift all your hands today? Would you lift your hands tonight? And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, don't let there be any strife between me and my brethren. 
I cannot do this alone. You cannot do this alone. You will not. God, don't let there be any strife between us. You may as well say, I, I know where the bottom line is this. They don't control it, but when you walk in with love and compassion and you do your best to keep your spirit right and you let God do the rest, don't worry about them. Be responsible for you. When we get together, every demon trembles. So in closing, this is what I want you to do. I want you to find someone. I want you to go to someone, maybe someone you haven't spoke to in a while, maybe someone you haven't given a hug to in a while. I, I don't know what it is, but let there be. This, this is a house of worship. Demons tremble in this house. It's a place of praise. They cannot stand in the face of unity. So I ask tonight, at this, let this be your altar call. Find someone. Find someone. You, Feel free to go now. Don't wait for me. Find someone now to minister to. Let ministry happen. Let unity take over this place on a Wednesday night when the core members of this church are here. Let unity happen. Move out. Move across the church. Maybe go to the side that you're not so familiar with. Let unity flow. Let compassion flow. You don't know what someone's going through. Let them know I'm for you. I'm for you. Elder, go to that young person. Young person, find the elder. Let them know that you're praying for them. Let them know that they still matter to you, that they're still valuable to you in your life, that you still need their prayers, that you still need their covering. Pray over that elder. Pray over that saint. Bind together for someone's backslidden child, someone's backslidden friend. Bind together if yours has come already. Great. Find someone who is still struggling with the faith that theirs may never walk through those doors and plead the blood over that family. Let forgiveness flow. You only hurt yourself when you don't operate in forgiveness. You hurt yourself. You hurt your physical body. You become sick. Let it all flow tonight. You can start the weekend. We can come back Sunday full of unity, full of forgiveness, no strife between us. Give it a place to land. 
Give it a place to live. Give it a place to abide and grow. This is bigger than these walls. This is bigger than this community. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is. 